Let's bow for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time. Um, As Brendan pointed out, this moment in time where we can really focus on your word um, with the fellowship of other believers. Help us to um, know this text, to understand it, um, and to not just understand it, but to apply it to our lives as well. We just pray that you would give us wisdom and understanding in this. In Jesus' name, amen. There is an illustration I found called the irony of answered prayer. It says this, much that perplexes us in our Christian experience is but the answer to our prayers. We pray for patience and God sends tribulation. For tribulation produces patience. We pray for submission and God sends suffering. For we learn obedience by suffering. We pray for unselfishness, and God gives us the opportunity to sacrifice ourselves by thinking on the things of others. We pray for victory, and the things of the world sweep down upon us in a storm of temptation, for this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. We pray for strength and humility, and some messenger of Satan torments us, till we lie in the dust, crying to God for its removal. We pray for union with Christ, and God severs natural ties and lets our best friends misunderstand us and seem indifferent to us. We pray for love, and God sends peculiar suffering and puts, with apparently, and puts us with a apparently unloving people. He lets them say things which rasp the nerves and lacerate the heart for Love suffereth long and is kind. Um, Today we are going to be talking about prayer again. Last week we talked about prayer through the Lord's Prayer in Luke 11, 2 through 4. You can turn there. We'll be in verses 5 through 13. And last week was a little more general about prayer. Today is going to be a little more specific about certain, uh, specific about prayer. And we're going to learn three things. The first one is the provocation of a friend. Let's read these verses um, 5 through 8 again. And he said to them, Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me, the door is shut. And my children... Um, my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. First thing we see here is a friend in need. Now, it is, we see here in this parable, there's a friend who comes and he arrives on a journey and he comes at night. This isn't an unusual thing to happen Uh, Travelers at that time often would travel at night to escape the heat of the day. And so it's not unusual that this man comes in the middle of the night. And when you're thinking about this, it's important to remember that hospitality is a big deal to the Jews. Um, You can see that in Genesis 18, 1 through 8, with um, Abraham as the angel of the Lord comes uh, it says the Lord comes and he invites him in to have something to eat before he goes and uh, conquers Sodom and Gomorrah. 
So hospitality is a big deal. And you see that here in this parable as well, right? I have nothing to set before him. Um, this man is in need. He, he wants to um, be hospitable to this person, do his diligence in this. To not have something would be more of a shameful thing for him. And so he's asked, give, say, lend me. Um, give it to me now is kind of the, like, lend me now. I need this. Um, the thing is, asking for help was common at that time. You've got to think about it. It's not like he can go to a local Walmart. He can't go to Big Y and just go pick something else for his friend who comes in late. Um, so oftentimes, people would ask for things. Uh, the only difference is it's unusual that he would ask at such a late hour. Um, it is unusual that he would ask at night like this. And I want to point out the connection here with verse 6 uh, or verse 5 with verse 3, right? We need to remember the context of this passage. That is the Lord's Prayer. He just finished saying, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. And he said to them, and so this is a continuation of thinking about the Lord's Prayer, a continuation on talking about prayer. And notice how he says, gives me three loaves. Again, it's kind of a little allusion to give us each day our daily bread. And so just connecting verses 2 through 4 with the following that we're talking about today. And so that's the friend's need. And then we see a friend's annoyance. And his friend said, do not bother me. The door is shut. And that door is shut is like the door is shut to stay shut uh, in the Greek. It's not supposed to be opened. And the things about doors back then where they were often made of wood, they were a lot bulkier. They were also made of iron. And so opening the door wasn't like you could sneakily get out and slowly open the door. It was a process to open the door, and it would have been a loud process at that, which he alludes to, right? The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. Again, a common thing. It's not like they had giant houses like we do today. They were often smaller, and the children would be in the same room with the parents. And so this man's like, I can't get up. I can't go open this door because once I do that, I have these children who are sleeping. It's going to cause a ruckus, and uh, I can't do that. And so he tells them for those two reasons, right? He basically doesn't want to do it. Do not bother me. And so you have the friend's annoyance. And then you have the friend's persistence. And it says, um, do not bother me, the door is shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot give you, get up and give you anything. Let's say I will not get you anything. And then Jesus says, I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything, because he is a friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. The friend's persistence. This man's persistence paid off where his friendship failed. Um, notice it makes special note. It's not because it's, he's a friend. It's because of his impudence, because of his persistence. 
Um, that impudence here um, in the Greek means shamelessness or shameless persistence. Um, the idea is this guy is just going at it. He keeps on going. Give me the loaves. I need the loaves. I need the loaves. And the friend finally gives in and says, all right, I will give you what you need. And when we're thinking about that, Jesus, as we will know, makes that connection with persistence in prayer. At least I think it's one of the lessons that we can draw from this. And we talked about last week the importance of praying continually. But this is more praying continually, even about specific prayer requests. Many of us, as I was thinking about this, have things that we have prayed for for weeks, months, sometimes years, sometimes many decades. And we pray. Am I thinking of particular many times it's someone close to us who we care about deeply and we pray for their salvation and we pray and we pray and we pray and we pray for them. You could say we pray persistently for them. And there are some examples that we could turn to in the Bible of persistent prayer. You could even think of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. He goes and prays, Father, take this cup from me. Then he goes sees his disciples, and they're sleeping, and he wakes them up. And then he goes and he prays again, and a little differently, but Father, take this cup from me. You could think about Abraham um, when he's pleading for Sodom and Gomorrah. If there be this many people, if there be this many people, if there be this many people. Um, but I'm going to take you to Matthew 15, 22. Matthew 15. I'm actually going to start at 21. And Jesus went away. Again, Matthew 15, 21. And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. Now notice, right, her ask. Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. That was what she was asking. The reply, he did not answer a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away. She is crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. Again, her ask again, Lord, help me. And he answered her, Is it not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs? She said, Yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered her. So here we have the answer. O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. Now there's a lot to think about in this passage that I wish we could get into for time, but I just want to know the persistence of the woman. Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. Lord, help me. And then she gets her answer. 
we need to have a persistence in our prayer, um, even when it seems like it may not be answered. Again, we have many people who we pray for continually for years and years for their salvation. And how many times have you heard a story of someone who's prayed for someone for years and then they finally came to know Christ? We need to be persistent in our prayers. Don't lose heart. Stay focused. So, that is the provocation of a friend learning to stay persistent. And then we get to the promise of a Savior. I'm forgetting where I am in my Bible. All right. The promise of a Savior. Now, he goes right from that parable and then says, And I tell you again. Notice, I tell you, this is coming straight from Jesus. This is coming straight from the God-man, straight divine authority. I, Jesus Christ, tell you. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. Again, I tell you. Notice the rising in the scale of intensity. Uh, That's kind of how it is in the Greek, right? First you ask, and then you're seeking that next level, and then you're knocking. Uh, And not only that, but Jesus highlights the importance. He wants to make sure you really don't miss it, because he doesn't just say it one time, right? Ask uh, Ask, and you will receive. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be open to you. Verse 10, for everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. It's like in case you didn't get it the first time, just so you know, if you ask, you will receive, if you seek, you will find, and if you knock, it will be opened to you. So those are the promises, but then Jesus tells us of the promises and their fulfillment as right, right? He says, ask. Now this asking, asking here implies humility and consciousness of need. It shows that we have a faith in a God who um, can do what we ask, who does do what we ask, or if we do it in the right way. We'll get into that in a little bit. Um, He can and will answer. Um, It's that we have faith in God. And this is pretty easy to illustrate what I'm talking about. If you go to a friend because you have a need, uh, you need to help with anything, uh, whether it's emotional or physical, you're asking that friend for something. And you're asking because you have the need. Hey, can you help me with this? Because I can't do it. And as you're admitting that lack of ability on your part, you're also admitting that, hey, I'm asking you because you can help me through this. And that's how we are with God, right? We are asking out of humility, out of our need for the Savior, um, especially with our salvation, with our sin is an easy way to think of it. I can't get to you on my own. Father, help me.
So, that is asking. And then you have seeking. Those who seek, find. Now, seeking is asking with action. It's to be active in obtaining what you are asking for. Which is important. We need to be active as we are asking. This is also uh, easier, easier illustrated. Um, next week I am also uh, preaching again, so sorry you have to listen to me one more time. But uh, so let's say on Monday I say, Father, help me to understand this next scripture. And then I put my Bible down and I leave it there all week. And I pray every morning, Father, help me to understand the passage that I'm going to be teaching on. But I never open up the Word of God. Am I going to know what I'm going to be preaching on on Sunday? No, right? But I was asking for it. I was praying to God. It's easier illustrated, right? We need to be not only praying that God would help us reveal the word, but also be active in studying the word as well. There was a good illustration for this. It says, a man uh, prayed fervently every morning at family worship for the poor in the community. But he was never known to give anything to the poor. One morning at the conclusion of family worship, after the usual prayer had been offered for the poor and the destitute, his little son said, Father, I wish I had your money. He said, Why, my son? Then he said, Why? Because then I would answer the prayer myself. Again, we need to be remembering that we need to be asking for with humility and consciousness of need, um, but also seeking, um, doing, uh, asking in action. Then you have the knock and it will be opened. Now, knocking is asking plus acting plus persevering. You are knocking. Kind of like the friend, right? Give me the three loaves of bread. (laughs) Until he finally decides to. So asking plus acting plus persevering. And perseverance is actually implied in all three. In the Greek, um, it it could, could be read as continue to ask, to seek, to knock, right? That idea of persistently doing it. It's not a one-time thing. Right? We learn from 1 Thessalonians 5.17. Pray without ceasing. That's a good one. I remembered that all the way from my Olympian years. There wasn't many verses I could memorize, but I was like, I can do that one. Pray without ceasing, right? So we need to have the promises clarified a little bit. First of all, prayer is not for everyone. We talked about this last week, all the way back in verse 2. Father, and we talked about what it means to have God as our Father. Everyone is created by God, but there are only few who are children of God. It's in verse 2, and it's also, a, also at the end, right? Verse 13, if you then who are evil not give good gifts, how much more? Will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit? And so, uh, being a believer, a child of God, 
is integral to prayer. Second, you need, the, you need to pray in the right way. We talked about that last week, so I don't want to um, rehash that. Again, verses 1 through 4. Um, verses 2, Father, how be your name, your kingdom come, seeing his holiness and then seeking his holiness. Give us this day, forgive us our sins, and lead us not into temptation. Third, this is not a blank check for whatever you want. Um, that should be um, obvious, um, but nowadays we need to clarify that. I actually want to go to James 4, verse 2. So this is not for asking or seeking or knocking on every single thing that we desire. Verse 2, you desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. Just the end of verse 2 there. Take note, you do not have because you do not ask. All right, so Jesus says, ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. So James here says, you ask, or you don't ask, so you don't receive. And then he says, um, you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions. And so even when you do ask, you ask it wrongly, um, not in the right way, not with your heart towards God, not going towards his will, his kingdom. Um, you ask it for your own selfish passions and desires. And so that person will not receive. And so that leads us... Uh, Right? We should not be praying things that are contrary to God's will. And again, <clears throat> Jesus isn't necessarily clarifying this because he already clarified how to pray in verses 2 through 4. Fourth, it's not saying God is a reluctant, grouchy neighbor who doesn't want to help unless you are always badgering him to help. Um, like we see in verses 5 through 8. Um, we'll get into it a little bit more, but God's provisions as he clarifies. But it is important when you read of the parable that you don't see that as God doesn't want to help people. Um, it's actually the opposite of what Jesus is trying to say. Because what Jesus does here is employs something, a Jewish argument or a form of Jewish argument um, that was used more commonly that we don't really use much today. And that is an argument from the lesser to the greater. Um, seeing something as the lesser, which is going to be the friend, which is going to be the earthly father that we see in a moment, to the greater who is God our Father in heaven. And so we see... We have seen the provocation of a friend, the promise of a savior. And finally, we're going to see the provisions of a father, and what God provides. And um, first of all, we see God will provide. And he says in verse 11, 
What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? The father, the relationship between a father and a son should be that of love, of care, of responsibility and affection for the child. And so God is just calling to, or Jesus here is calling to mind the earthly relationship of a father to a son. And he makes it very personal. Um, What father among you um, would give these things? And obviously they all should be able to answer, well, logically none of them are going to be that. That is not the way in which a father should behave when he truly loves his son. And so it's a beautiful illustration because it's a very, um, the answer is prevalent. He says the fish and the serpent and the egg and the scorpion because those things look similar in certain situations. Sometimes serpents can look, fish can look like serpents. Um, And there is a white scorpion in that region in which when it's curled up, it looks like an egg as well. Um, So that's why he uses those as references. And so we see God's provisions are greater. And so this is really getting to the heart of this whole discussion. Often when you're looking at the parables And if you are confused at them, because sometimes they can seem confusing, if you go to the end, many times Jesus straight up tells you the answer to it. And he says, If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? And so you have the lesser If you then who are evil, those who are evil, take note of that. You are evil. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um, Those who are evil, aponeros, the evil there in the Greek is bad, wicked, worthless is the idea. Um, It's used of Satan um, in the parable of the sower who is the evil one. And so... He's making that reference, right? Even if you're that father, those fathers among them would ask for a fish, or if the son asked for a fish, wouldn't give him, would give him a fish and wouldn't give him a serpent. If they asked for an egg, you wouldn't give him a scorpion. If that, if then those who are evil know how to give good gifts to their children, and take note of the R, right? It's not that they, those who do evil, it's those who are evil. It is in their nature to be evil. This is um, unbelievers, but still even as believers we struggle here on earth with sin, at least. Paul talks about that in Romans 7.14. We won't necessarily turn there, right? But very common passage. He does what he doesn't want to do, and what he wants to do, he doesn't do, and that whole argument. But they are evil. But they still know how to give good gifts. Again, referencing 11, verses 11 through 12. 
It's interesting because when you think about giving good gifts, it's part of being um, part of that image of God, um, even though warped by evil, right? Even though they're evil, they still know how to give good gifts. How much greater are the gifts in which God gives us? So that is the lesser father. And then you have the greater father. Right? If you then who are evil know how to get good gifts, this is the key, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? How much more? The lesser, the friend who wouldn't give or it would give begrudgingly, only because of the persistence. The lesser is the earthly father who still gives good gifts, even though he is evil. The greater, right, from the lesser to the greater, is the God who is willing to give to his children. What God gives is far superior to that which we can give here on earth. Go to Philippians real quick. For I'll just read it real quick. It's a small passage. 4.19. Philippians 4.19. It says, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever. Amen. Right? He will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ. Again, what God gives us is far superior than we can get from our earthly fathers. So what does God provide? And as I was thinking about that, I was okay, well, <laughs> there's a lot of things which God provides us um, here on earth. Actually, I was thinking about it. And I was thinking, it's probably easier to think about what God doesn't provide than it is to think about what God does provide. Um, I can't think of anything in my life in which God hasn't provided me. But I do want to give a few specifics, because it's actually specific here. Um, In Matthew, if you read the correlating passage, which um, Pastor Bill did a sermon not too long ago. Not too long ago, a little while ago now. where it doesn't mention the Holy Spirit. It says, gives good gifts to those. And that's in Matthew seven eleven. in case you're wondering. Um, but here it specifically mentions, um, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? And when you're thinking about that, the Holy Spirit is the source of all that is good in the Christian life. I don't, I often quote MacArthur, not intentionally, but he did have a really good quote to this. He says, to those who ask for the gift, he gives the giver. To those who ask for the effect, he gives the cause. To those who ask for the product, he gives the source. And to those seeking comfort, he gives the comforter. And so... Right here, Jesus points out how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit that is the source for us here on earth, the one who indwells us, right? And so when we ask for love, He gives us the Spirit, which is, gives us the fruit of the Spirit, 
And so when we ask for love, it comes from the fruit of the Spirit. Um, when we ask for joy, when we ask for peace, for patience, when we ask for help, we have the Helper. When we ask for salvation, right, we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And when we're seeking, we seek the truth of the Spirit and the wisdom. And then we knock. We are persistent, right? We are persistent in our prayers to God and we'll receive an answer, right? I don't really... As I was going through this, I don't want to, I did have some qualifications, some clarifications with it, um, but we need to be aware of the power of prayer in the believer's life. Um, There is no qualification Jesus gives. He says, ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened. Um, If you're a believer and you're praying rightly, you're seeing and seeking His holiness, Um, you can have um, rest in those that you will receive an answer. It may not, as I illustrated in the beginning, with that initial illustration, be the way in which you are thinking He will answer that prayer, but He will answer your prayer. And so we need to be persistent in our prayer, Not because we need to provoke God into action, but it shows our earnestness and our need for Him. We need to be remembering the promises of our Savior. Ask, seek, and knock. And we ask and we will receive, seek, and we will find, and knock, it will be opened. And ultimately we do this because we have the greatest Father, right? An argument from the lesser, from the friend, from the earthly Father, to the greatest Father who provides us with the Holy Spirit. And so with that, let's close in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for this time that we have to learn again a little more deeply about prayer. I just pray that as we are living our Christian life for you, as we are praying that we would realize Uh, our need for you and asking for the things we need, that we would be persistent in seeking, that we would be actively asking in action uh, and then knocking. I just pray that you would give us faith and uh, more wisdom as we apply this to our lives. Help us to really believe. Help us to really understand and always be seeking Uh, seeing your holiness and seeking it. We just thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.